Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hey, welcome to Podcast Wonderfellas, episode 234 of the podcast. It is the fan call-in show for season five, episode one entitled The Wars to Come, or episode 41 of the series, if you prefer to think of it that way. The episode was written by David Binioff and Dan Weiss, the showrunners, and it was directed by Michael Slovis of Breaking Bad fame. My name is Matt Murdick of PodcastWinterfell.com fame, and that is your single stop for all things regarding the podcast, like back episodes, contact, and social media information, podcatcher links. And if you would, please leave me a review on iTunes or Stitcher, um, since that helps me stay more noticeable in those stores to other great Game of Thrones fans such as yourself. I do want to thank Stupid Bunny in the U.S. iTunes store for updating their review. They had already written one, but they updated it. Thank you very much for uh, keeping your name at the top of the list, I suppose. And uh, as we've done every year since we started podcasting about Game of Thrones here on this particular podcast, we give anyone a chance to call in and talk live at TalkShoe.com. It's kind of like a live radio talk show where uh, people get to call in and express their thoughts about new episodes of the television show on Monday nights after they've aired on the Sunday night prior. And uh, it's really easy for you folks to participate. 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, you get on your phone and you dial 724-444-7444. A lot of fours in there. I hope you didn't get them all mixed up. Uh, then you're asked for a call ID by this cute little automated voice, and you respond by dialing one one triple eight four, and then the pound sign. And then finally, you'll be asked for a PIN number. You don't have to worry about whether you are a TalkShoe member or not. You just dial one and the pound sign, and that makes the call come in on my board here. And I take the callers in the order that they come in, and we talk about whatever you want to talk about in regards to the episode that we just all saw about 24 hours prior. There are a couple of rules that I ask of my callers uh, when they do call in. And the first one is, please, no book spoilers, and please keep a minimum amount of book comparisons uh, when you're making your comments about the television show. We are talking about the television show, and we do have audiences, especially this time of year, in our chat room that are not going to be the book readers that some of us are, or some of them may be even better book readers than I know that I am. Nonetheless, uh, we want to make sure that everything stays on a level for people who are just watching the television show. It's real important that we do that. Um, The other thing that I ask of my callers in terms of their speaking is to keep your comments at like a PG or a G level, at at PG at most. Um, This podcast does have a clean rating, so please help me abide by the restrictions of that clean clean rating. 
as far as uh, if you if you start spewing off spoilers about the television show or the books or anything like that, or if you start using four-letter words like every other word, then I'm probably going to cut you off uh, and not have you back on the podcast, and I'm going to cut everything that you said out of the podcast anyway. So you won't really have gotten you won't really have achieved anything uh, by doing so. Um, there's a couple of other little procedures that we do here, and I explained it to my callers, but I want to explain it to you so that you can call in and talk to me next week if you're just listening to the podcast. Uh, you get some time with me initially, and I take the orders in the call. Uh, I take the callers in the order that they come, and then we have after we've taken all of those callers, if time allows, and we have an open discussion amongst all of us about various topics where everybody kind of gets to voice their own opinion about different subjects. Um, the only thing that I ask in regards to that is that if you aren't talking and someone else is, give them a chance to finish before you interrupt. Um, that way, you know, I, I understand that when a bunch of people are talking around the water cooler, it's easy to kind of talk over someone and someone else understands and the conversation flows and shifts. But this isn't like that. This is much more like a, a controlled discussion. Think like CNN. And I know that sometimes those guys talk over each other too, but uh, think about civilized CNN. Why don't we think of it like that? Um, finally, I'm going to have some weird questions for any callers that call in. For, for one thing, I'm going to ask you to rate the episode on a scale of 1 to 10 uh, during our initial ex uh, discussion. And then I might also ask you uh, for a three-words description of the episode uh, and what you might think the best coupling of the week for the episode was. And that doesn't have to be two people. It's just a pairing of people and things or people and people or people and concepts or whatever was most notable to you. And we call that coupling the brothel mates of the week. Wow. Okay, I've told you everything about the podcast. Now let me tell you uh, some extra thoughts that I've had since the Monday release of the initial reaction podcast uh, about this episode, season five, episode one, The Wars to Come. And I'm going to be pretty honest. I actually feel like our initial reaction podcast did a pretty good job of, of covering a lot of the big points. And there's not a whole lot to rehash there. Um, but there are some quick bullet points that I just kind of wanted to throw out there that they kind of add an extra layer to what we discussed on Monday. Um, first, just a quick note about the, the flashback and the prophecy. Uh, you know, we've heard different reactions to what the flashback, how the flashback was taken, either with book readers or with non-book readers. Don't really want to get into that much. Um, but there were some things that the initial reaction podcast didn't explore about that prophecy. Because when we heard that a younger, more beautiful person would come up and, and take things away from Cersei in that prophecy... I'm betting, myself included, that a lot of us kind of gravitate towards Marjorie because she's right more in the immediate forefront of a possible threat to Cersei uh, as we see in the context of the now. And Marjorie definitely could possibly be that threat that might take Cersei down, but I don't want us to discount the fact that there are other people who might be younger or might be considered more beautiful and might someday be queens or might have possibly become a queen uh, to consider that might be the downfall of Cersei besides Marjorie. First of all, the most obvious one, who's the queen across the narrow sea? Daenerys. Uh, she would definitely qualify. I don't know. I guess it's a matter of taste as to whether you want to say she's more beautiful than, uh, 
than Cersei or not. I mean, Cersei's supposed to be practically the fairest woman in the land, right? But uh, nonetheless, uh, Danny is considered pretty fair herself, and she is a queen. And haven't we all been hoping that maybe someday Danny will come over and take over Westeros? Would that not fulfill that part of the prophecy that we got on uh, in this first episode of season five? Um, there's someone else that I want to consider as well, and this probably in tribute to our friend Ken from Cripples, Bastards, and Broken Things more than anything, because him and I just love our girl Sansa. And remember that Sansa was betrothed at one time to Joffrey. Uh, Ned and Robert had kind of made that deal as, as part of the whole uh, bit right after uh, Robert first came up to, to Winterfell to get Ned to be Hand of the King. And so Cersei... Uh, would have, from that point on, perceived Sansa as a potential younger queen that could be a threat or could be a fulfiller of this prophecy. Now, uh, now she's in, Sansa's in a position where she's kind of learning the wrappings of power uh, and, and how to move things around from Littlefinger. So could she possibly still be a threat to Cersei in the long run? And could that be a fulfilling of the prophecy? Um, so those are some things to think about. Marjorie obviously is the most in the forefront, but um, she's not the only horse in the race. Let's just put it that way. Um, now, I did just talk about Danny, and we did talk about Danny a lot in the initial reactions, and we touched on uh, the brothel killing uh, by the Sons of the Harpy. Um, but I just, just as for fun, because I, I love shipping people and everything, do, do we want to take any stock in why the white rat or why white rat was there in the first place. I mean, come on, unsullied people are folks too. We saw that with the whole episode with Masande and, uh, and gray worm last year. And we're seeing, uh, now the, the curiosity coming back from Masande kind of towards gray worm, uh, quite a bit in this particular episode. Um, so I, I love the thought that, that, uh, this whole, bit has brought up that, you know, Grey Worm staring at Masande isn't just some kind of freaky thing. It's it's something that everybody, all of the Unsullied are feeling. And could that possibly be uh, good for everybody? Or if they start, you know, choosing women over their queen, could that possibly be bad? I mean, they are free men now, after all. Loyal, but uh, as Masande said, several of them are going to the brothels. So that's a possible other layer of danger for Daenerys as she's already having some trouble uh, ruling right now. Uh, another thing that I loved uh, that I found out during the second watch of this episode is that Dario claims uh, to Daenerys that he is really the only one speaking truth to her power right now. Um, that would seem to be fairly true, although I don't know that Barristan Selmay has ever not spoken truth to her, and I don't know that Grey Worm has never not spoken truth to her, but in that moment it does seem plausible that, that Dario would be the only one to say this about her and her dragons. Um, so the only other person that I could think of that might be that frank with her about stuff would be poor old Jorah, poor old disheveled Jorah. And now we have to think, well, poor old Jorah's even lost another one. He's, he's not even trusted. He couldn't even be a trusted counsel anymore, which was the one thing that old friend zone Jorah had going for him in the first place. Instead, uh, now Dario has taken the role of, of big-time lover and counselor, and uh, I don't know if that's good or bad for Daenerys, to be perfectly honest. I, I really don't. 
Um, and one last thing that I'm not sure if we really mentioned how much bigger the dragons inside that she's got locked up have become since last season. Um, she practically stood over them when she was putting chains on them uh, at the end of last season. Now they tower over her and they're pretty darn scary. And uh, I would have probably fled out of the room and put my back up against the wall just like Daenerys did too if I saw those dragons. The last little thing that I want to clear up since the initial reactions podcast is about stuff at the wall. Um, and I think that in uh, the uh, podcast Littlefell, which is a little supplement that Heath and, and Axel are doing, they talked about, you know, Stannis seems like he's making a beeline towards Winterfell, and he wanted these wildlings to work for him. Um, I wonder, though, and, and Axel was talking about how he didn't really like Stannis that much, but if Stannis can go down there and really stick it to the Boltons, because we now know that the Boltons are occupying Winterfell. We even saw on the map this time, we got our little Bolton cross on the top of the Winterfell map, which was totally disgusting to me. It made me nearly, it just made my jaw drop, and I was like, oh, I'd rather see it in Smoky Ruin. But no, uh, the Boltons have definitely taken it over. I just wonder, Axel, sir, if, if Stannis, regardless of whether he takes wildlings with him or not, if he goes down there and just kicks the living poop out of Bruce Bolton and Ramsey Bolton, will you feel any better about him then? Um, will, will, or will it just be kind of the same effect as when they came and saved John at the wall? We'll have to see. And speaking of John, uh, let's talk about him for just a second. Something that makes you have to absolutely love him even more, if you don't already, is this boy that he's training in his first shot, this is the boy that killed uh, the woman that he loved, Egret, and yet he is so duty-bound and, and so caring that he's taking the time to train this kid right in the way to fight and everything. Um, and I know that you can logically say, well, it's because his life depends on it as much as anybody else's. In fact, uh, his life did depend on that boy being able to shoot a bow and arrow earlier, uh, well, in last season, at the end of episode nine of last season. Uh, but nonetheless, I think that it's really cool because once that happened, um, I don't know if I would have been uh, strong enough to not just pummel the kid and not give him any training at all. I thought that was really good that he was showing him how to fight correctly. Um, we also didn't talk much in the podcast, in the initial reactions podcast, as far as at the wall, about Sam and Gilly. Uh, and that stuff seemed kind of important set up to me as well. Not so much about themselves, uh, but we learned that the Night's Watch actually still has technically no Lord Commander, that it's still being ruled kind of by committee, I guess, as like we saw in Season 4. Um, Alistair Thorne uh, is alive, like we saw and he is probably a front runner to be made Lord Commander, as Gilly and Sam say. Um, Sir Dennis Malister is also mentioned by Sam. That is the, I guess, the leader of the Shadow Tower uh, could be a potential candidate uh, for running as well as as Alistair. So I'm sure if we have to pick a personal favorite for the job, we would probably pick like John, make John Lord Commander. Or Sam, even. Make Sam Lord Commander. He'd be good at giving orders. Well, maybe not, but he'd be better at it than fighting, probably, right? Uh, anyway, uh, we, we would probably want them to be our Lord Commanders for the Night's Watch. But who do we actually think, among the candidates that we heard mentioned, or even thinking about John or Sam, 
who do we think the best candidate for the job might be? Now, I'm not going to, whether they're a favorite or not, I'm not going to say that, well, it should be such and such because, but it might be just something that you want to do as your own kind of exercise uh, as we see the politics play out at the wall as they did with the whole Mance Raider thing in Stannis, and now even within the Night's Watch is rumblings of that kind of political maneuvering going on. Um, so the Game of Thrones continues. It just uh, seems to have moved from King's Landing to the Wall or to Essos or to Pintos or to wherever. Um, I do also want to really emphasize what an amazing job Kieran Hines did in this episode. Uh, all of his little looks during the talk with uh, with John in the cell, his looks uh, when he was talking with Stannis, everything that he did, it, the, the the weight with which he delivered the dialogue, I I'm a huge fan of Kieran Hines, and it went from when I first saw him was actually in Rome, I guess on HBO, uh, and I hadn't seen him in anything but prior to that, but I just love this actor, and he did just a fantastic job, um, and that last scene actually is what elevated my rating, which I will finally get to uh, here. Um, I'm going to give it uh, an 8.1, and probably I'm betting a good .5 of that came from Kieran Hines' performance alone. Uh, That's 8.1 out of 10. And uh, I thought that the episode, you know, it was marvelously dense. It was full of setup. And that really makes me excited for the storylines that we're going to see for the rest of the season uh, some of those setups, but uh, I do have to admit that that probably wasn't my favorite season premiere episode, and I don't know if I could really pick one. I think I'm probably be leaning towards the season two premiere and the introduction of Stannis and uh, the crazy Melisandre and the, the throbbing, uh, blinking jewel and all of that stuff. I thought that was all pretty exciting, the season two premiere. Um, so that would probably be my favorite. This one would probably, I don't even know if this one would make it in my top three out of the five. Uh, I'd have to really think about that, but definitely not my favorite. Wow, have I talked your ear off completely? I mean, are you like, have you left the room yet? Some of you have, maybe guest five, guest six, you've left the room. And I don't blame you. You probably want to hear somebody like yourself who just likes watching the television show and doesn't talk about it nearly as much as I do. Uh, You probably want to hear somebody like that. And so, therefore, it's time to bring in our callers for tonight's fan call-in show. We're going to start by going to Kelly. Kelly, thank you for calling in. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? I am very good. Uh, I'm a little bit out of breath from doing all of that stealing and talking, (laughs) but I am very happy to have you on. And my first question for you, before we get into any kind of really deep subjects or anything, is... Do you have a rating for this episode? If I said one being the worst, ten being the best, uh, where would your number be at for this episode? I was hovering between a seven and an eight, so since you went with a decimal, I'll go with 7.5. There you go, 7.5. Well, that's a good rating. That's a good rating. Um, It's not a fantastic rating. I I guess I don't know how to equate these with uh, school scores. I don't know. Is that a C grade somewhere in there? C C minus. I'd say, yeah, it's probably, it's probably a C because it's like 75%, but in, I'd, give, I'd bump it up to a B minus. <laughs> right go. All right, yeah. on. very good, very good. Well, I just I, I know that I've talked a lot about a lot of things, but and, and you can feel to readdress any of those, or if you have something uh, that really hits you about the episode that you want to share with our listening audience, please feel free to do so right now. 
Yeah, I was really excited to see the flashback uh, that everybody was talking about, and that was actually exciting to see it get out of way, out of the way right away instead of having to worry about when it's going to come and all of the spoiler kind of stuff, like in the um, A Day in the Life, if you watched that um, special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, like everything from that was in this episode. So anything that I was worried about getting spoiled on just because I wanted to get as much content before the show came out was already in that first episode. So that was great to see. Uh, so everything after this is going to be just those little quick clips that we saw in the in the uh, the trailers. Right, right, yeah. They're just little snippets, and uh, we'll know them when we see them. That's for sure. Now, I haven't yeah. asked. I haven't asked you yet. Um, are you a book reader or are you a non-book reader? Oh, I'm a multiple-time book reader. Ah, there you go. Well, you're doing very good yeah. at talking about spoilers and stuff. That's fantastic. Now, I do want to ask you this, though. As a book reader, um, mm. how do you feel about the fact that the the, the show is going to seemingly, uh, by the looks of things, I mean, obviously, me and you could talk about a number of things that we saw just in this episode uh, where there's some divergence, but we don't really want to talk about that so much. But um, does that make you more sensitive to TV spoilers than ever before because of the changes? Maybe because at this point, anything we say that has happened in the book would be like, we don't know how it would turn out. So we don't actually, you might sound stupid if you say, well, in the books, it looked like it was going this way when in the show they're, like, taking it a whole different direction. And then when George writes the next book, we find out that he was misleading us in the first place, too. So <laughs> anything from right. here on out, yeah, is, like, definitely not going to be guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you got past all of that. And then um, what was your favorite scene? What was your least favorite scene? Uh, my Favorite. I was kind of excited about Danny seeing her in in uh, in ring with her hair down was kind of neat. Like I noticed we had never seen her with that before mm-hmm. uh, since like season one. I thought I was almost like, wow, she looks a lot younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, that. she does. And then in like a complete contrast, Sansa with all of her dark hair and speaking to Peter so intelligently, she seems so much older. Yeah. What, what do you take with that, with, with Sansa? Because this is fun, because you and I can, can <laughs> probably talk. A, I mean, we could have an idea of where they're going to direct Sansa's story. But really, what's in the book is kind of already yeah. happened with, with Sansa. So it's oh, kind yeah, of fun to ponder. Really. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Do you, do you think you have a notion as, and I won't ask you to say it unless you want to, but do you think you have a notion as to where Sansa and Littlefinger are headed, other than just west? Yeah, they said west, so I I don't know. I, my first guess would be Winterfell, and um, I guess, there, yeah, that would probably be my best guess, but I have no idea why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this would be very interesting. With with the Boltons there, um, and and we saw that that could be that could be problematic, um, and I don't. I would imagine that Littlefinger would have thought of this. But it could be problematic since Ramsay and Roos were both talking about the Stark, the younger Stark boys, and they actually sent Locke after them, even though he wasn't successful. Yeah, that plotline seemed to kind of die out. Yeah, but at least their knowledge, we're still we're still aware that they have that knowledge. But any action that they took on it doesn't seem to be paying out into anything. Right. Yeah. But absolutely. they I, the, another place they could be going is um, I haven't heard much people talk about uh, taking her to River Run. 
because that's where her mom was from. So she's just as, you know, welcome there. Um, we know that that was taken, but we don't know whose side uh, Littlefinger is on, so he might be welcome there. Ah, so he might be able to worm himself in as a as a, a friend of Frey? Um, River Run? Uh, to yeah. where... Well, the phrase, just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. in the, the show that the, the phrase, Frey, yeah. yeah, the Frey, uh, yeah. Walder Frey has River Run yeah. now, I think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Very so good. maybe well, what, loyal men, loyal River Run men might still be there, even though the leaders are now Frey. There's still, like, a whole town of people that Edmund saved um, and took pity on and helped and still, where's the dang Blackfish? Yeah, where is the black Because <laughs> uh, the last we heard of him is, is let's see. The Red I, I, Wedding? That, yeah, he was at the yeah. Red Wedding. And I think that in episode 10 of season three, um, Roos even kind of uh, got after Walder Frey saying that the Blackfish had escaped. And yes, then the Blackfish yes. kind of played it down saying, well, he's, what's he going to do? He's got nobody. You know, but nonetheless... Uh, he is still out there, and he would definitely be a you know he he adores Catelyn in season three, so uh, his niece. So I would think yeah. that his grandniece Sansa would be a, a welcome addition. And that's more West, so maybe that now that I'm saying that out loud, that sounds like that might be more likely than Winterfell at this moment because Sansa would be easily recognized if they take her north. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, I had, like, talked all day at work with my friends, like, depending on where they are in the books, and I'm like, oh, okay, I can't talk to you about this. I'm going to talk to you up until here. And so, yeah, then I've got their friends who have only watched the show, and I'll talk to them at their level, and it's, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great it's a great intellectual exercise, isn't it, to try and remember. First of all, since things get so mixed up, you know, there's been times when I've done book podcasts where I've I've said things that were from the show, and, and uh Somebody like Bubba or Mike's had to correct me. And, and yeah. then there's, there's times where, you know, I, I start to, I have to catch myself because I start to blurt out something that I think that happened in the books that I think happened in the show. It's tough. Yeah. Sometimes to make, it's yeah. tough to navigate that. Just blame George. They, he paints such a vivid picture. I could totally picture it. And I thought it happened. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's exactly what it was. So it was such, such a good description that I know I saw it on TV. Totally. Right. <laughs> uh, any other story points that really got you this, for this episode? Just, um, no, I think everything else is like just little points. Like I've just always thought, I can't wait till I see Danny in red and black. She's always in blue. Someday we'll get it, I guess. Uh, looking for those Targaryen colors to finally come know. out sometime. We- we did see the, the Targaryen sigil behind some of the um, – they were walking down the street in Marine. I don't know who the guards were. I think it was Unsullied. But, yeah, you could see in the background, you know, the Targaryen uh, three-headed dragon. That was very exciting. I loved it. Uh, I, I, yeah. I like seeing Danny in white, to be perfectly honest. Uh, the, 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 couple of, the couple of shots where she was in white in this episode um, – it kind of almost visually elevates her to me in a way. Um, and I'm not sure why that is for me visually, and it's probably just me. But I, I really, um, I, I, hate, I hate to, like, dive into the whole savior complex about Daenerys, you know. But you've you got to think, White Walker's over there, Dragon's over here. 
somebody's going to need somebody at some point, right? And, and she so seems get, a natural fit, yeah. Yeah, so I get this whole kind of savior complex about Daenerys thinking, well, she's and, – and evidently Varys has the exact same complex that I do because he, yes. he seems to think of her as the, as the savior as well. Um, did you find Tyrion – <laughs> emotionally unavailable uh, in in this episode. I mean, naturally, he's been drinking himself across the narrow sea, according to Varys, and, and we got the result of that all over poor Illyrio's carpet. Yeah. Nonetheless, uh, I mean, how how do you feel about him in terms of is he is he wallowing too much in what's happening? What happened with Shay and that? Or he almost seemed numb. Like I felt like his reaction was because I noticed Cersei was not pithy. She was not having her usual sharp tongue responses to people. So that was kind of a, okay, she's handling her, you know, the grief in her way. And Jamie was almost just taking any beating that she was going to give him because he was so self-loathing about letting this happen. But, you know, those, comparatively, those two siblings seemed so much more affected by it than Tyrion was just kind of, well, I'm here now. <laughs> now I'm, I'm going to drink. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. He seemed he seemed numb and, and not maybe as um, emotional as I would have thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it it. Um, and maybe it just hasn't really hit him yet. You know, I mean, yeah. From the from the moment that happened, he got swung into a box. He's been looking out of people and and doing other things out of people for a while. Um, and uh, maybe. There's just, uh, you know, the, the, the knowledge is there. He recognizes it, but it hasn't really hit him emotionally yet. Maybe that's the thing. Or he's just drunk himself to the point of being numb about it, <laughs> which is another point. It uh, does, yeah. Yeah, it'll hit him, I don't know, once he sobers up, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, something we brought up in the IR podcast, and I'll, I'm going to let you go after this real because uh, we do have other callers, but I, I did yeah, want to get sorry. A, no, that's fine. It's, it's me. I'm the one that's been bringing up other points. But Barry seems to be selling very hard. He has sold it since season one that he is for the realm. That he, you know, then that he, he, we now get this whole grand conspiracy of people who thought restoring a Targaryen back to the throne uh, when Robert started becoming a debacle would be be the fix all for this. Are you sold by Varys' uh, his 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 talkings to, to Tyrion? Do you think that this is what he truly believes? Um, do you do you get any sense of an ulterior motive or not? Because it's a hard thing to to kind of parse out with Varys. He's he's a mummer. He's good at, at hiding that stuff, right? Yeah, but if he is, he's got me fooled too. I feel like at this point, he has no reason to, uh, or at least the reason that I can think of, if he wants Tyrion who's got nothing, if he wants him to do what he wants, all he has to do is tell him, I want you to do this. Tyrion has no, like, resources to do anything else, and so he just wants to use his brain, as he always has, and given an opportunity handed to him to use it for greater good, like, if he just spells it out for him that way, he's, you know, either he's masterfully manipulating him now, or he's manipulated him to get into this position where all he has to do is tell him the truth, and he'll do what he wants. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I believe if if he told him the truth about everything that he's done up until now, which kind of felt honest, but when he said, um, you know, the series of mistakes 
that has led us to here. Like, that sounded like he was, you know, uh, regretting things. And I feel like at that point you're not really trying to lie to somebody when you're, you know, talking about regrets. It makes you look bad. So, huh. again, again, you could have just fooled me too. <laughs> oh, I think those are great points to make. And uh, I'm, I, I got to say, you know, just because uh, Varys is so good at what he does, uh, Part of me just wants to say, well, I, I just don't know. Hold on, this is too much. This is this is just too much. <laughs> but um, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for now. We'll see if, if uh, Tyrion ends up getting fed to a dragon, and then we'll find out. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, <laughs> that'll, that'll give us a hint. <laughs> um, let's see, uh, Kelly. Thank you so much. Would you yeah, like to stick around that. for the group discussion? Oh yeah. All right. Well, great. And when you do, uh, while you're on hold, again, please remember to be thinking of a three-word description for this episode and what you think the best coupling of the episode might be. And I'm going to hit you with those in just a little bit. All right. All right. Thank you, Kelly. And with that, we're going to move on to Bryson, uh, who is also uh, Hand of the King Stannis, uh, who has uh, <laughs> communicated with me uh, uh, in earlier uh, correspondences. Bryson, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to call in. I'll ask you the same first question that I asked Kelly, and that is, uh, given a 1 to 10 uh, rating scale, where does this episode fall in terms of numbers for you? Well, the first time I seen it, I seen it at a premiere out here in Atlanta uh, two weeks ago. And after I seen that, I gave it a seven, you know, because normally premieres are kind of slow. But after rewatching it uh, last night, I actually gave it like an eight. It actually moved up for me on second view. Wow, great. Um, is that because uh, some of the subtleties of because there was a big information dump in this episode that for me, uh, I know that on my second watch of this episode, uh, my rating went up also, and that was just because I was able to digest more of the information. Um, was that the indication for you, or what did bring it up for you, if not that? Uh, yeah, what brought it up for me, it kind of slowed down. I guess I was so excited at the premiere, so you know, a lot of characters, I kind of wanted it to stay where it was, and then it kept jumping on me. But then now, after I hadn't seen it, and I settled, uh, calmed down a little bit, you know, I kind of was, like, really just enjoying it. Like, okay, this is cool, you know. Very good, very good. Uh, let me ask you real quickly, Bryson, are you a book reader or are you a non-book reader? Oh, no, I'm actually a book reader. And that's, an, and that's another reason why I kind of um, kind of tough on the premieres because uh, after season two uh, premiere, that was my first time ever seeing the series at all. I was actually just bored at home and um, just flicking through the channels, and it actually was, like, the premiere on and I just watched it and fell in love with it and so I kind of keep that premiere dear to my heart and I started reading the books and going back to season one you know so I kind of you know every premiere always got to go up against that one and I don't think nothing's going to take it. Alright gotcha gotcha I like season two's premiere as well I thought the introduction yeah. of Stannis and Melisandre was awesome um, but that's just me because I, I see I'm a fuddy-duddy kind of like Stannis is so I, I like seeing a character like that doing well even though he got beat. That's my guy. Yeah. All right, I'm Stannis. Well, I couldn't imagine why. Hand of King Stannis. I can't imagine you not being a Stannis guy. No, but honestly, uh, great, sir. How about uh, anything you want to talk about the episode? Any concerns or praises or whatever you have, sir? Uh, 
Um, I actually uh, loved it, the fact of seeing uh, some another Unsullied besides Grey Worm, um, and also the visual of the harpy coming down. I think that was amazing. Like, I've seen it in the trailers many a times, but that thing coming down with the Unsullied on, on the top of the thing moving around, I thought that was amazing and how it slowly came down. Oh, my God. And uh, the mass raider uh, burning. Oh, my. And and your guy uh, in the initial reactions, I think that was uh, Axel Foley or was it um, another Matt? I can't remember his name. But mm-hmm. uh, he uh, was talking about how he didn't like Sanders' decision, and I kind of wanted to reflect on that. I kind of think that that was a great decision really to burn Mance for not bending his knee because, for one thing, Mance broke his uh, Night's Watch vows. So even if it was Ned Stark, he was going to die. And also the fact of, uh, you know, you can't just have a a guy just, you know, come towards your realm and just try to attack and just, um, just let him go like that and not let him bend the knee, you know, because it just shows you as weakness. So I kind of um, loved it, that scene. Um, John um, giving him the mercy kill, I think it's going to have some repercussions, though. But, um, yeah, definitely. I, I actually enjoyed the whole episode. I loved it, uh, the flashback. I actually thought Maggie the Frog would look a little bit different. But uh, it was amazing. I loved it. And the girl that played Cersei, oh, my God, she looked just she played it quite well as Cersei. In the clothing, though, like her clothes as Cersei, it's like the yeah. same scheme, you know? It's like, dang, she doesn't change her style after, what, 30 years? Was, oh, my God. <laughs> but it, 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 it was pretty cool, though. I, I kind of get what they're trying to do. But uh, And Marjorie, the scenes with Marjorie, the, the perhaps and stuff, that got me intrigued about what's going to happen next week, you know? And, um... Uh, what else can I take from that episode? Uh, and the dragons. Oh, my God. You know, those dragons. Man, they're Dude. getting big. And, yeah, and it's crazy. It, it, it's funny. I, I kind of hated the dragons before because I, I hate the cuddling of the dragons. And, you know, I, and I like them to be more fierce. And now, it's, you know, it, it's getting to that level. And I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I like where it's going. Yeah, they've, they've done the, the size from like monkeys to dinosaurs mm-hmm. and, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and uh, we naturally, I guess we saw a little bit more of that growth at the beginning of season four last year, but um, this change is remarkable. And now um, I, I love how that also emphasizes the, 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 the fear that Danny almost seems to have of, of them. She's, she has, I think Dario had it right when he said that, she has to regain more or less her identity. Um, she's not the queen of the Unsullied or the mother of the Unsullied. She is the mother of dragons, and she has to she has to re reteach herself to do that, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think without those dragons, man, it's it's, it's not looking very well. But I'm not a big Danny fan, but uh, uh, <laughs> it's not it's not looking that good without those dragons, definitely. Yeah, and it's it's not looking good for her, by the way. Those dragons are actually they're they're mad at mom. They're they're not just they're not just uh, you know miffy teenagers. They are uh, they're 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 lashing out. <laughs> that was yeah, that was scary. Yeah, it scares me. <laughs> Anything else, sir? Um, uh, 
I actually uh I liked it also. I liked it uh you know Jon Snow. He's he's another guy. I don't really want to do a lot of comparison from the books, but um you know the show shows. I, I love Snow Jon Snow more than um, book Jon Snow. So he kind of grew on me a lot more, and as, as it's progressing, and the mercy kill, I, I'm I'm really intrigued to see what happens with that mercy kill. Oh my god! Um, and and the fact that the wildlings were like standing there, I was. I was like, I would have thought they would have been like in cells or anything, but to have Tom and Giants Bane standing like right there, I kind of thought he was going to jump up and attack Stanish for a second, you know. So I was, I was kind of wondering about the positioning of a lot of the characters, but uh, it still was, it still was a great scene. It was a great premiere. Yeah, well, I think so too. Uh, now, on that matter about the about the Wildlings and um, you know, this whole, whole Mercy Kill with John, I know that DJ Tim Hines and Axel both kind of agreed that. Um, and I think I even threw in my agreement as well that um, this might be something to to help John actually uh, with his relationship with the wild things, and, and that could lead to other places as well. Um, what do you think of Stannis' plan to, to head to Winterfell? I mean, are you ready to see him beat up this, the, uh, the Boltons? Oh, man, I am dying to see that. I am dying to see that one. And... Uh, I'm still wondering why, why a lot of people are not uh, big Stannis fans. It's like everybody hates the Boltons from what happened with the Starks, and he's like the only one really saying that he wants to take them out. So I don't really see why people are not, not on his side. I guess the whole Melisandre thing, but, you know, that's that's my girl, so it's all good. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I don't really see that. But, I, yeah, I'm, I'm dying to see that uh, fight between him and the Boltons, if it were to happen or whatever. And also I want to touch upon uh, Tyrion. I almost forgot about Tyrion and Varys. And I know with your last caller you were asking about, um, you know, do you think, you know, Varys is for real? And me looking at it from a show watcher perspective, you know, I, I got a real good memory. So going back to um, – varies in season what was that or talking to the red viper about how he's not from there and specifically in that scene he said for our country which is not his country um and also um uh, him bringing up i mean in back in season one when the attempt the attempt uh, to kill danny you know it's like how was he going to do that you know like you're you're sending a guy to poison her, and how do you pull that back? Or did you know Jorah was going to, you know, stop it? Like, I don't think he's that good. I, I actually think he's playing Tyrion, but who knows? It, it could be. Here's the argument I would make about the whole Daenerys assassination thing is, um, the thing to do to make sure that it went through would be not to tell Jorah at all that he had been pardoned, not until after it happened. Um, oh, and the fact yeah. that the information got to Jorah first makes me kind of believe that even if he had to finagle things with Robert and say, yeah, we can get this done, or, or however all of that went down, because Robert was the one that was the most adamant about those Targaryens dying, right? I mean, he wanted Viserys dead, yeah. Daenerys dead, he wanted any Targaryen dead, anything with the name T, because he's all whining about Lyanna uh, <laughs> 20 years later. And... uh Anyway, I just feel like that uh, if Varys really had uh, an intent to not to save Daenerys, then it would have been you hold on to that part and you make sure that, that Jorah doesn't get it until after the deal is done. So that's, that's the only way that I, I can kind of say maybe I still believe 
varies. But I'm kind of like you. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll say this. I'm on the fence about varies because uh, yeah. he's been way too crafty for way too long <laughs> for me to believe anything. Him and Littlefinger both. I don't believe anything either of them say. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm wondering where, you know, like especially with Littlefinger, like, man, he's so up in the air. Like, I don't know exactly what he wants. Like, you know, you see him looking at the throne saying, you know, I want, and he tells Sansa, I want everything. But it's like, can, can you really see Littlefinger sitting on the Iron Throne? I, I don't know. Yeah. It's so weird, it, you know. It, it is. It is. And and how he thinks uh, using Robin Aaron uh, or however, whatever machinations he's going through here now in order to try and get um, to a position of, of power to where he could take the throne. Um, you know, having the area is one thing. I guess being the Lord of Heron Hall is another. You get a lot of money that way. Evidently, it, it's a big taxing thing. But uh, I, I don't really see that he has any real kind of military might working for him. And, and right now, that seems to be the only way to get things done. If there is another way to get things done, Littlefinger will fight it, though, right? Oh, yeah, man, definitely. I, my cause is always on him. And Brienne um, being right right there by Sansa, almost seeing her with the wagon, Passing by, that that's an that's amazing. I'm I'm actually really intrigued about where that that's going to go because you know Arya turned her down. She's kind of sad about that, and the fact that Sansa's right there, it's like if I was her, you know, I kind of would be like, man, I don't know, I I just can't keep going with this one. Turn me down. I don't know where the other one is. I probably would be just like just done with it. But you know, she she has honor and she she's trying. You know, so I'm kind of intrigued about where that whole storyline is going. Yeah, me too. I want, I want to see what, what they're going to do with Brienne. And I, the funny thing is, I, found, I think I commented on the initial reactions podcast, it, it, I just found it very ironic uh, that, that Sansa would be passing right by after she's talking to you know, her and uh, Podrick have just been talking about not being able to find Sansa or trying to find Sansa. Uh, I get this whole Don Quixote sense about Brienne. You know, I feel like she's fighting windmills all the time. Poor girl. Yeah, definitely. And um, also, uh, what I was going to touch on else about the episode that I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed um, uh, what's his face? Uh, 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 Lancel. Oh my God, with the with the new hair, man, it looks like a new actor. Yeah, I know, and and you can tell <laughs> it is the same actor, but my gosh, he certainly does look look. Uh, well, he just looks very pious. Now, I guess, is the way to, put it, way to put it. What do you think about that? I mean, if there's anybody that could be an immediate threat to Cersei, you would think it would be Lancel and anything else that he would say, right? That's, yeah, and, and then with that voice, at first I, I had to go back and watch some of the old episodes with him and how he sounded. You know, he sounded kind of weird and cowardly, but now he sounds, like, tough and, like, like he's just on a mission. So I'm really, really, really intrigued there. And then to have it in the first episode, it has to mean something later, so I'm really intrigued about that. And 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 Kevin, Kevin actually coming back, and I'm happy that they uh casted the same guy because I hate when they do recast. Uh, so I, I'm I'm actually really excited about the new uh um Lannister reunion of those two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd be it's interesting. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> uh, and uh, we'll uh we'll continue that discussion real quick. Let me just say uh to the chat room. Eluxer, I see you. Um, 
in the chat, and we will get to your call after we get to Gary. Gary is ahead of you, and then we'll, we will take your call. This is how you put up the request there. So, um, Anyway, I'm sorry, Bryson. Uh, anything else? Uh, I got a question for you. Uh, uh, I always ask this question to a lot of people that I see that watch the show. Uh, do you think that Daenerys truly has a claim to the Iron Throne after her family, I guess, lost it? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know that uh, there's anyone left besides Stannis, to be perfectly honest, that has a legitimate claim to the throne as it stands now, because it's still technically a Baratheon throne, right? Even though that's based on a lot of Lannister lie, it's still technically a, 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 a Baratheon throne. So, in terms of order of succession, outside of Gendry, and that would be only if he could be legitimized. And where Stannis, is Gendry? And where is Gendry? He's out there rowing a boat. <laughs> he, he, he's, been he's been rowing a boat around Dragonstone, round and round and round and round and round uh, for a whole season now. So uh, a season, it'll, I bet it'll be a season and a half before we ever even hear Gendry's name mentioned again. Who knows? Maybe, maybe he got out. <laughs> that was told him don't get out. Maybe maybe he rode maybe he rode uh, maybe he rode the other direction by by mistake and uh, you know Arya will pick her up on wherever she's headed you know pick him up there yeah, yeah. Uh, but no I, I I think that you have a uh, a good question there about Daenerys being being able to, to have does she have legitimacy towards the throne well she does to the older family but in the immediate throne I think that Stannis has a better claim uh, I think what it really boils down to is. Uh, just as Robert took the throne, I think that whoever gets the throne next is just going to have to take it. Definitely. So, great question, though. And uh, do, would you feel like sticking around for the group conversation, Bryson? We're going to have that after uh, we get through these two callers. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. I can do that. No problem. Yeah. Uh, well, feel free to. If you can't, it's totally understood, but I'm going to put you on mute now. And I'm going to bring in our friend Gary uh, from New York. Well, maybe I'll try and put you there. We go. Hello, Gary. Are you there, sir? Hello. Welcome back. Great Welcome. to have you back. It's nice to be back. It's nice to hear. It's nice to be able to talk back because I've been talking. To, I've been talking to my podcast for the past oh God knows how long. How long? How long is the time between between seasons? They seem like forever. Uh, it's at least it's probably around ten months. Seems like it's, it's usually that way. Uh, seems like longer. Yeah, yeah. It, it, well, it's it's been a while. And shoot us an email sometime, man. I know you shot me one last fall, but just shoot shoot us an email when you want to talk about something to to the podcast, and we'll we'll get your voice out there when we're doing the book stuff. Um. Otherwise, uh, give me a rating for this episode for you on a scale of 1 to 10, sir. Okay. It's an 8. But the reason it's an 8 is that it was better than I expected it to be. But I know it's going to get absolutely bananas. So we've got to leave room for, like, the crazy because you know it's coming. <laughs> There's always crazy in Game of Thrones, Gary. I mean, you're right. You're right. You should always start out low. 
you know, our buddy DJ Tim Hines, who sometimes calls in on the fan, used to call in on the fan call-in show, he sent me his, uh, his rating. He gave it a five, and I think for that very reason, because he wants to leave lots of headroom. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going with an eight because, I, first of all, I'm, I'm sorry. Did you want to speak about something specific? You can talk about whatever you want, sir. It's open okay. floor. Um, I was worried when they said they said that they were going to do a flashback, and I thought it was really cool that they did. Previously on Game of Thrones, did the intro and then did the flashback because it kind of felt like more of previously on Game of Thrones. Yeah, I that was really cool. You know, they got it right out the way. It wasn't like they were in the middle of telling the story and then they flat and then you know. The flashback. So I was worried about how they were going to do it, and it was, and they did it exactly the perfect way. And then they moved on with the story. I agree. I agree. No Star Wars wipes for us on Game of Thrones. Thank you very much. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, well, what did you think of the flat flashback? Uh, I know I asked Mike, my fellow book reader. And we can keep this in a, in a TV perspective too. But I, I mean, were were you okay with the execution of that flashback? I was really happy with the execution of the flashback. Um, yes, I expected Maggie the Frog to be a extraordinarily unattractive looking woman, and while she wasn't Marjorie or you know Missandei, she wasn't you know. You know, she was on Rose and they didn't pull Roseanne Barr out to do it, so we're good. Yeah. She wasn't as hard on the eyes, I think, as, as many people expected her to be, right? Not nearly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, as Bryson brought up earlier, and I totally agree with him, and I'm sure you do too, uh, I mean, the way, uh, what is the girl's name? Mel Free, I think is her name yeah. or something like that. She parroted... She parroted Lena Headey to the point that it was just scary. <laughs> and it was great. That was, oh my, that, that was honestly, that was one of those little crazy moments you said to answer. Because I looked at it, at first I thought it was CGI. I thought they did like a CGI, you know, youthening or make it, making you know, yeah. Lena Headey younger. Because I was like, and I looked at the IMDb and they were like, no, 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 it's a different actress. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agreed. Totally agreed. Well, after we got through the flashback, um, what hit you most next, Gary? Um, I'm actually going to stay with Cersei. Um, first of all, who is this, who is this kind of sort of saying Cersei? Where did she come from? Because she wasn't cray-cray. You know what I mean? Because, like, the last couple of seasons, we've been, we've been watching her spiral almost to the point of cray so, mm-hmm. well, so dangerous. And this Cersei that we saw that we saw in this episode was kind of sort of sane. Yeah. It, um, do, you think the, do you think that the weight of Tywin on her because we've seen throughout all of these seasons how she has so much resented the fact that Tywin had the power, that Jamie was the boy and everything. 
Do you think that maybe the the, the Taiwan actually dying maybe lifted some of the weight off of her and she might be able for a moment, at least until she gets back into that wine, which she did pretty quickly, uh, be able to think straight? I give, I I think you said the last of saying, saying, just saying. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I think, I think we've seen the last of that. Oh, I don't um, either. I don't either. I, I think you're probably right there. Uh, let me interrupt you just real quick, uh, Gary. Uh, Southwest okay. Louisiana, I see you, and you will be up uh, behind. Uh, let's see. We got Gary here, and then we have uh, Eluxer, and then we have Guest Thirteen, and then we'll have you, South Louisiana. We got lots of callers. Great. This is fantastic. Uh I'm sorry, Gary, go ahead. Um I I didn't like Jamie in this episode. I like don't get me wrong, I like the I like the performance. I didn't like what he what he had to perform. That 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 feeling he, he felt like he was, you know, almost taking the blame. And I realized that you know that to a certain extent, you know, you can you can make an argument for taking the blame of of Tywin, but Jamie knew how evil an SOB his dad was. Um and he loved his brother so much that he wouldn't allow so much that he wouldn't allow him to be um executed and that's why he released him. And so it just it, it the choice went wrong. You know, it was it, it should have been. It, I kind of expected it to be, well, just like I killed the Mad King, and people kind of look at me crazy. You know, call me Kingslayer and insult me about blah 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 blah. You know, I trust that my brother, who's very cool. Did something, did something that he can, that he can justify, and I won't I won't um, judge him for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I I thought that, uh, and I mentioned this I think in our initial reactions podcast was the fact that uh, Cersei, in in her process of calling Jamie out, um, made Jamie look to me in a way that it almost made me think, maybe I ought to rethink my Jamie love. Um, because what she said was true. Of course, you can, you can always find truths in a lot of things and then, and then um, convert them to whatever opinion you want to shape about it. But she does, does say, like, you're a man of action, uh, but you give no thought to the ramification. Um, and that has been the case for Jamie in almost every situation we've seen him be in. Um, now, yeah, but the thing about that is that his that his instincts are generally the right. What he generally generally jumps in the right direction. Well, except for pushing Bran out a window. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no, but no, I get I that one. But I think since his road trip with Brienne, I think you're absolutely right, and I we have seen with the Mad King that he's done good things before as well, because, uh, you know, so it's not like the instinct. I think you're right. I think that for the most part, he makes his, uh, he, he's, he's, his instinctually, he has been. Um, it's just when he's hanging around Cersei. 
Hey, you got a point there. Her, her crazy is contagious. Her crazy is contagious. And that's a great point to make because here it is. And, and I love the irony in that. Here you have Cersei calling him out on something that uh, the only time that that doesn't really work for him is when she's around. That's great, man. I love it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what else? What else struck at me? Oh, um, the hand, hand of Stannis. Um, Touched on my point about the about the dragons, um, and you guys spent way too much time talking about Dario during the initial reaction. <laughs> so, um, I don't. Those those are those are those are three points that honestly just stuck with me. Um, also, the Mance Rayner thing that was horrible. That was it was. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad about what John did, but oh. I'd, okay, we all know that I'm a book reader. Yeah. And I was, and I expected if they were going to do anything like that, I thought they were going to do it like that. If they were going to go in that, go in that direction, I figured they'd do it like they did with um with Joffrey in episode two. I did not see Masrader going out in episode one. Uh, it was it was such a uh, uh, emotional ending, was it not? I mean, that was just crazy for me. I not I like I said, episode one. I mean, it's Kieran Hines. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of like does it say in his contract I can only appear in one episode per season? <laughs> what is this? It's For like I, we barely see him, and next thing you know, it's like up oh, high. Yeah, but I, I tell you what, man, that actor just milks every second that he has on screen, you know. Uh, and I I just I loved it, and. I, so, um, you guys were talking. You were talking about uh, Bryson's point, and he he was kind of like he thought that Stannis did the absolute right thing. Um, of course, he is hand of the king's to Stannis, hand of King Stannis. But uh, how did you feel about that? Did Stannis do the right thing? No, I understand why he did it, and there's an argument to be made for doing it. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. You know, it's like Manslayer had an extraordinary power base of people and resources that that it might have made more sense for Stannis to let him be king beyond the wall, but on this side of the wall... He is, it, it's sort of like the um, people in Dorne. You know, there's a reason why why they why they have princes. Everybody else has wardens. You know what I mean? It's like, right. hey, there's extraordinary resources there. We don't want to mess with them. Right. And 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 if nothing else, Stannis had an extraordinary resource in manpower, and instead he. Uh, it, it, he made it into an ultimatum um, rather than a negotiation. Exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, if if Mance doesn't, uh, I, I think uh, it was also brought up by, by uh, Hand of the King, by uh, Bryson, that, uh, you know, if even if Mance kneels, then does the Night's Watch just take him away and chop off his head anyway? Okay. I get that you know the Ned Stark thing. You know, hey, if you run, you run. If you leave your post at the 
Night's Watch, you know. I don't think that Ned Stark would have been would have would have been so. Anybody like this? Only Stannis could get away with doing something that by the letter of the law versus the spirit thereof. Mm. You know, only only Stannis could could you say, well. That was, you know, that was the law. Well, yeah, but, you know, extenuating circumstances do exist. It's it's not like what he, it's not like what, uh, kind of an extreme version of what he did to Davos. It's like, he saved his life. He saved the life of all his people. If it wasn't for Davos, there would be no, there would be no status. Mm. However... You ran the blockade. The blockade that was killing you. <laughs> it's like if I didn't run the blockade, there'd be no more you. If I had waited a week, I'd still have all my fingers. <laughs> and I yeah. wouldn't have to deal with you. Yet Dallas, despite that, he'll be the first guy to stand up in front of the Bank of Bravos and say, This is the guy. This yeah. is the guy. Um, like I said, only Stannis. <laughs> only Stannis. Well, good point. Good point. Good point. Uh, I will say this, you know, of all the ways to die, and I, I love that they brought that up during the talk in the cell with John and Mance, you know, where, where he said, what do they do? Cut my, you know, be, behead me, hang me. And then uh, John says, no, they're, they're going to burn you alive. That is just terrific. And the reason why I ask about that is, of course, we've seen Melisandre give people to the fires before in this in this series and uh, in the books in the past as well. Um, so, do you think there there the fire was an extra motivation for uh, Stannis to to please Melisandre uh, as opposed to just giving him to the Night's Watch to have whatever be done be done? Um. I think that Melisandre wanted him because he was a king. She is a believer in that king's blood, yes, sir. I think that was what that was really about. Um, that he was a king, yes, a, a king beyond the wall, but, you know, a king nonetheless. And so I think that she, that that was the whole reasoning behind the burning. Um, do I think that the, that the Night's Watch would have, would have attacked, would have, um, beheaded him? Uh, I think the only person who had the moral authority to do that would have been John, and John wouldn't have done it. Because every other, because every other person who, who's in point of authority on the night to watch is kind of shown to be um, creeping or weak, and don't, they don't have the they don't have the moral authority to they, they can't call upon the moral authority to, to to make a command like that and have the the wildlings not catch a bit. All right. right on. Well, uh, Gary, I got time for one more point. So, what you got, sir? And then we got to move on to another call. Uh, we can move on. We can move on. 
Okay, you're going to stick around for the group conversation, sir? Yes, sir. All right, thanks so much again for calling in. And we will move from Gary uh, to, let's see, who do I have next here on my list? Uh, Elux, Eluxer? El Luxer? We'll see. We'll find out. Good evening, El Luxer. You are on with Podcast Winterfell. How are you? I'm good today. Uh, I just wanted to know if there was a door giveaway here. If there's a what? A door giveaway, like one, two, three, one, two, three. I'm not exactly sure what you mean by that. Like a door giveaway, you know, one, two, three. I don't get it. Yeah, that's what you do. You play dumb with those guys. Um, Guest 13, are you still on with us? Guest 13 is no longer on with us, so we will go to Louisiana. Okay, thanks. Um, Sorry, but congestion. That's all right. Okay, um, I'm assuming you've read the books. Uh-huh. Okay, um, I just kind of wanted to ask if you kind of saw this kind of a plot hole, too. Um, is it okay if I discuss, like, spoilers in the books here? No, you cannot. Okay. This, this okay. show is all TV show only. Okay, then there's, some, there, there's something else that's fine. I was just asking about that. But, um, anyway, so... The point I wanted to, the thing I wanted to ask uh, your opinion and like people in the chat's opinion. <laughs> All right. Um, do you think personally that Daenerys should keep like the dragons locked away or what? That's a good question. Let's. Uh, anybody in the chat should Daenerys keep the the dragons locked away? Just fill in your answers, and we'll we'll let this gentleman know when we hear him. Uh, when we see them, uh, what do you think? And what's your name, by the way? Or how, what, what, should, what can I call you? Uh, just, just call me Joseph. But um, Joseph, all right. Yeah. Um, I personally think that without the dragons, she's probably gonna, you know, die because eventually someone's going to realize that she's weak, and then they're gonna try to kill her. I think that that's probably a, a pretty reasonable explanation, a pretty good thing to say, because I think Dario pretty much said that exact same thing to her uh, in this episode, um, in the fact that he said, uh, you know, you're not the mother of Unsullied, you're the mother of dragons, you need to find your power again, uh, because people won't respect you if you don't. And we're already seeing the implications of that. You know, I, I'm sure that word has gotten around among these sons of Harpy that, um that the dragons are locked away, and now things have escalated to killing uh, people, which it evidently hadn't before this episode. Uh, but, yeah, people are starting to fight back. So I think that's a great point. What else you got on this episode? How, how did you like the episode? Uh, I, I liked it uh, a decent bit. It seemed more like, you know, like one of those episodes, like when a series hasn't been going on for a while and they want to get you back into it and nothing like real extreme happens, but they're just kind of easing you back into it. But it was still pretty good. Still pretty good for you. All right, good. Uh, do you have? Could you give it a rating on a guest of uh, or uh, on a scale of one to ten? Would you? What uh, kind of number would you give it? Seven. Seven. That's fair. That's fair enough. Fair enough. It is a there. There was a lot of setup. There was a lot of information. Uh, a lot of information dump as well to set up, which uh, um, made it not so much fun to process from, from a what happened story, but there was still some stuff that happened. Uh, 
what other points about the episode? Uh, was there a particular character that you had great interest in in this episode? Um, yeah, the um, I can't think of his name. You, I'm trying, you know, like the leader of the Unsullied Army that Daenerys commands. Grey Worm, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, he's, I was just, like, the entire, like, after, you know, the whole brothel thing, I was just, like, really interested to know, like, why, you know, they go to the trouble of going and paying for that when, you know, they, they can't exactly do anything. Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he's, uh, the, the whole question about him and Masande, I, I think, is an interesting one, uh, more so to, maybe so to book readers than to, um, than to TV show watchers. I mean, for TV show watchers, it's just another budding relationship. But I find, uh, and this is the thing that interests me in The Unsullied, is we saw this thing with White Rat tonight, uh, or in the episode, and we got a sense that, um, you know, The Unsullied, now that they are free, um, are exercising that freedom in ways that maybe we didn't expect. And it makes me worry, um, as you pointed out, that perhaps with out dragons um, that uh, she could have trouble on all fronts, uh, even under, even among her own group, because she's given them the freedom to make the choice. It doesn't necessarily mean that they will all be loyal to her the same way that maybe Grey Worm is, right? Yeah, and like, and that kind of goes along with how like everything is like starting to come back up, like the five pins are coming back up. People are wanting to be going to so, be able to be contracted to their old slave mouse and stuff like that. Right. Yep, exactly. Any other points you'd like to make about the episode, sir? I'm trying to think. There was one more thing. It was... I'm trying to think. Did some, did, did somebody make a, uh, ask about the uh, whole mercy killing thing about uh, mounts? Uh, I didn't quite catch that. What did you say, sir? <clears throat> oh, sorry. Um, I'm just kind of interested in if I, I think I've, it's hard to explain. I've read the books, but not in a way that like, I remember any, like most of it. I'm just like kind of curious about how, if Sam has any, like, is going to have any upcoming role besides killing that one white walker. Oh, that, okay. Sam, uh, that's a good question. Well, the thing that I found, uh, that was kind of interesting for him in this episode was the fact that he pointed out that. Um, it seems like the Night's Watch is still being ruled by committee. They haven't elected a leader like Lord Commander Mormont or whatever. Um, there's, um, you know, could Sam elevate to that role? Probably not. Um, could he help someone else elevate to that role? Perhaps. I mean, he's obviously given some consideration to the political machinations that's going on there. He brought up Dennis Malister. Uh, he and, and talked about Alistair Thorne a little bit with Gilly in the episode. So, um, even if he doesn't throw his own hat into those kind of politics, could he help someone else? Maybe a Jon Snow, or maybe help seal the deal for a Dennis Malister. Maybe help seal the deal for an Alistair Thorne, who I don't think he's very would be very happy with, because uh, as he pointed out, Alistair doesn't seem to like the Wildlings very much. So uh, I think that uh, his role as a supporter to what's going to happen next for the Night's Watch is very important. How about you? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> along with uh, I can't think of the girl's name, the one with the baby, the wildling. That would be Gilly. Yeah, along with Gilly, because Gilly kind of is kind of hanging on to him. I'm not sure if it's 
so far, I, I can't tell if it's more of like a kind of a, a paternal thing or an actual romantic thing, but they seem, she seems like she kind of needs them. Yeah, yeah. And I think Sam kind of likes being needed, don't you? Yeah. He didn't really have that back whenever he was somewhat of a lord. Yeah, exactly. He, uh, you know, uh, the first story he told Jon Snow about his father and everything just made me nearly cry way back in season one. And, and when I read some stuff about him uh, in the books as well, and uh, I, I would like to see uh, Sam be kind of, uh, uh, I guess, liken it to the Lord of the Rings, kind of a Samwell figure um, in, in, in that respect uh, for this series. But we'll have to see. Um, he certainly has defied all odds. He, he's the one guy that you would think would go, and he just doesn't. He just keeps sticking around. He just keeps not dying. He managed to go through, through all of that last season at the Battle of the Wall and, and not even get hurt. Uh, that just seems highly unlikely. So there must be a reason, right? Yeah, he's, <clears throat> he's kind of like that coward that's really resilient that does what he has to do. That's a good point. That's an excellent point, and it's an admirable point, too. Um, if you don't have anything else, uh, Joseph, then let's bring in the rest of our callers here. Okay. And, uh, we'll, we'll kind of toss around some subjects and let everybody talk about them. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to Kelly here real quickly, and I'm going to let her, if you have a, a single point that you'd like to hear everybody's opinion on, um, not at once, we'll go one at a time. I'll, I'll maybe, I don't think I need to call on you like a classroom, but, um, Kelly, uh, is there anything in the course of this discussion uh, that has come to mind for you uh, that uh, you hasn't been addressed or something that you would like readdressed? What do you think? I just wrote something down when Bryson asked, does Danny have a claim to the throne? Uh-huh. Well, go for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was just a, a really interesting question because it is a totally um, – opinion-based answer, so it can be what you think has the most validity, and I think the um, tradition has been, you know, based on lineage, and if you adhere to that opinion, that that's the most valid uh, claim, then she would, but if you, you know, view it based on, like, what Vera says, you know, in this episode, he put it so great, I can't recall the exact words he said, but it was, like, all of the qualities that he listed if anybody fits that, you know, uh, that description, then wouldn't they just logically be better? So, you know, if she's both, you know, in lineage and in description, just quality-wise, then, yeah, I think that's pretty a pretty good claim that she would have. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, and I can definitely see that. Um, let's go to Bryson, the, the hand of Stannis, the king, or the hand of King <laughs> Stannis, and, and uh, see what your response to that would be. Well, I, I think, yeah, if, if you go back at her family ties, yeah, like like Matt said earlier that, you know, you can always tie it back to the old family, but she would have to conquer to me. I think everything was wiped clean. Everybody's sworn to House Baratheon, you know, so I think the Targaryens are just straight pussies. So I don't really think she has any more claims. I think the only claim comes from the house that everybody's sworn to off a lie. But, but like you know, it's opinion-based. Yeah, because the response that could be, Jamie said it best in the, the hot tub scene with uh, Brienne when he said, you know, you have this oath to this person and you're sworn to that person, and what do you do when they contradict? You know, yeah. 
it's a, it's a beautiful <laughs> web. <laughs> it's a beautiful web of complications. Yes, it certainly is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's let uh, Gary. Would you like to weigh in on uh, the validity of D- Danny at the to the throne, or the validity of Stannis to the throne, and and their comparisons? Honestly, I think they have an equal claim. Um, I know that's I know it's really a horrible horrible cop out, but <laughs> they have about as much claim to claim to the throne as the people from Barney. Um, oh man, what a kid. Um, the Martell. They have about as much claim as as the Martells do. It's it really depends on who gets the people to to. And I don't and I don't just mean the lords. I mean the people. Um, part of the reason that the that the, that the Targaryens held on to power for so long was that even though they had some every other Targaryen king was crazy. They didn't even have the good ones. And so they had like a 50-50 shot. They're like, no, things are awesome. Okay, he's gone and things suck. Okay, he's gone. Things are awesome again. So, so um, yeah, the, whether, whether it's the Martells, the Targaryens, the Baratheons, that's the Starks. It, the Starks are the... Um, uh, um, Marjorie Terrell, you know, whichever. It, it really is about the people. I mean, that's sort of the reason why Marjorie was, was making such a big deal about being such a... Uh, when, when she was um, betrothed to Joffrey, being, doing the, you know, the the food and the, um, the food and the hospital taking care of the people, taking care of the um, the the war, the war orphans, you know? So, it was about winning the love of the people. And that's what Daenerys had been, had been doing until she decided that she was going to sit around in Marine and stew. That's all. All right. Well, yeah. uh, you, you know what? Uh, let, me, let me just jump in here real quick and, and allow uh, Joseph to address this as well. Um, and I'm going to throw in a caveat here. Uh, Gary brought up a great point about is about the people. So uh, you're one of the people, and if you can't, I mean, do you think first of all does one or the other have a more legitimate claim to the throne? And if not, then who would you th- whose hat uh, or who whose ring would you throw your hat into? Um, well, for like for the way I view it, the person who has like the most claim to the throne, like. Like you know, like blood blood wise, like closely blood wise from the Lost King would obviously be Baratheon, but I'd much rather you know Daenerys because Baratheon seems kind of cold and stuff like that, and like Daenerys, for example, with the you know like the dead child. I forgot if that was this episode, like the last episode of the other season, but she actually cared about what happened to her people, and Baratheon kind of just seems like. As long as he's the king, he'll be fine. Excellent. All right. Great point. I, I completely disagree, though. Uh-oh. Here we go. Let's hear from I completely disagree. I think Westeros needs a strong leader, and and I may be biased, but 
I think Stannis is the right leader for him because I believe he really does care for his people more than any other king in the War of Five Kings when the Wildlings was coming to the wall. And also, you know, you got to take Mass Raider's word. You know, um, in this episode, right before he was executed, he said that he thinks that he would be the best person on the throne, to be honest, and he executed him. So, And then in the fact that Gary brought up um, the devil's fingers, um, at first when I first read it, I kind of was kind of weirded out, like, man, why would he do that? But then when you read more into it, the fact of Davos was always wanted for smuggling. He was a big-time smuggler. So it wasn't like he smuggled that one time and then he cut his fingers off. I think that would be wrong. But he was, like, wanted, almost executed multiple times and well-known around the realm for being a big-time smuggler. So I think that's why he done it. If it was just that one time, I don't think he would have done it. Ah, all right. Very good. Um, well, uh, why don't we do this? Uh, since Kelly's now asked a question, what Bryson? Why don't we, you ask a question for everybody to answer, and then uh, we'll start with Kelly this time after she uh, to answer your question. Uh, my question would be, um, um what's a good question? Uh, I'll be having so many, but I'm kind of nervous. So, <laughs> oh, you're doing you're doing fine, man. <laughs> Uh, my question would be, um, well, I, I, I mostly want to answer, uh, I think it was Joseph's question. I kind of don't really have a question now, but he was asked about, uh, should she lock up the dragon? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and, um, with that, I kind of think she should, because I've read, like, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I've read, like, The Princess and the Queen and all of that stuff, and after reading all of that, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the drag. So. <laughs> so <that was laughs> All the more reason to like Stannis, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> you know? and, and, and she's cheating. She's cheating at the same time. So I, 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 I'm not a fan of that. Hey, man, how do you become a superpower? You show them the nuclear weapons. That's what you do. <laughs> uh, gotta say, you know, you gotta get, you gotta, you gotta throw them out there. Gotta, gotta let them be seen. Uh, so uh, locking them away won't do her any good. That's for sure. I agree there. Oh, and, and, and actually, I do have a question. Uh, I want to ask everybody else. I know the caller before me, and also the call after Gary. Uh, another thing that uh, Gary brought. I know it seems like I'm picking on Gary, but you know, he, he's messing with my man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, I had another thing I had to say was about, do you think Ned Stark would have executed Mass Raider? And you know Ned Stark is stubborn, so do I personally say yes. I think he was done. Ooh. Oh. Right on, Kelly, what do you think? Me? No. No, he, he had that. A quality where he could sit down and talk to somebody and figure something out. And if anybody, uh, Ned would have understood how um, a plan to settle the wildlings in the north would have benefited everybody, um, and they would have made it made it work. He would have found a way to make it work. And killing just one man would not have solved the problem of all of the wildlings. I think he was smarter and, and more cautious than that. So. Hmm. But if he had to do it, he would have looked really sad. He would have a very sad face. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, can, can, I, can I throw my hat into the ring on this one and say that? No. no I can't? I can't? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's just think, if we have testimony from Will about the White Walkers, 
how much more quickly could the wall have been mobilized uh, with men, yeah. Yeah. with much-needed men? Uh, but Ned chose uh, to let honor do the thing. And, and so I, ha- I kind of have a problem with Ned even cutting off poor little Will's head uh, way back in the first episode of season one. Because I'm thinking, yeah. you know, just, just think oh, of all yeah. the travesty that could, that's have, that could have been avoided. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. There, no. there is a dif- there is a difference between one man, you know, running scared from the wall, and a whole horde of wildlings banded together for the first time in history, coming together to try to escape. It's a little different. He might have listened. He might have. <laughs> Uh, that, okay, fair enough point. But Gary says, what are we saying, no, no to me, I guess? No. Probably? I'm saying no to you. I'm saying that there's no way that that, um, that Ned Stark turns around and lops off Nancy Brader's head. It's the man who, when he, when he, thought, when he figured out the, the plot with Cersei, was like, well, I'm going to give you the chance to pack up your things and get up, get up out of here. Because I don't, because I know my friend Robert is a psychopath and he will absolutely lose it. <laughs> so <laughs> this guy, and he didn't like Cersei in the first place. Math is kind of cool. He's a stand-up guy. All things being, all things being equal, he didn't like Cersei. Well, Cersei's the woman, and she has children. Maybe that, and he, Mance has a sword. You know, there's a difference in Ned's mind, maybe. Yeah, yeah. maybe so. We'll let Joe maybe. weigh in on the final sub, or, uh, final on this. You got a thought, okay. Joseph? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, personally, Ned Stark was one of my favorite characters, but, you know, oh, after sorry. episode one, after <laughs> episode one of you know, the whole series, I have to say that he would definitely kill Matt. And to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if he killed John, too, because, you know, John did oh, kind of stick, stick his Johnson into the wildland girl and, and break the oath. Wow. You if heard you it here first it. on podcast Winterfell. Right on. Wrong. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no. I think. No book spoilers. Man, woo. Sir, go ahead. Post something to the to the panel here. <laughs> um, where do you think that? Okay, no, actually, I got too many book readers on, on the podcast, so I can't ask. So I can't ask questions which which might lead to book spoilers. Uh, the the um. Okay, Barry Barry's interior. Where do do we think that they're actually going to make it to Cersei and and Tyrion acts and if they do, are they going to do it this? Are they going to do they are they going to do it this season or are they going to do like Arya and the Hound, where two seasons worth of them wandering through the through the woods <laughs> and funny comedy funny comedy in the middle of Absolute insanity. Oh, so, 
the question is again: Will Varys and Tyrion actually make it to Marine or not? Um, I, I guess we start with you, Bryson. What do you think? Uh, I think at the I think at the very close to the end of the series, I, I mean of the season, I think they uh, they finally get there because um, it kind of it, it kind of seems like you know with two seasons left, you know. It kind of seems like they have to. They have to get there probably this season. They have to. Okay. So no, no, uh, not much as, as near as much of a, a Tyrion Barry's roadshow as we got the the Hound Arya roadshow, I guess for you. How about you, Joseph? Where do you see uh, Tyrion and Barry's uh, and being at the end of the season, or have they gotten to Daenerys yet, or not? Um. Like, it's kind of a tough question because it's Game of Thrones logic. If it's, it's kind of like you try to think about what's going to happen and you realize it's Game of Thrones. Like, I could, for example, it's a dwarf and a eunuch. So, you expect <laughs> that they're not, not going to get very far. And then, and then I think it's Game of Thrones. And then I think maybe they're going to survive. And then I think it's Game of Thrones. <laughs> and then I think they've been building this up a lot. And then I think, yet again, it's Game of Thrones. So... I enjoy I enjoy that logic as well. Um, on the other hand, it is Dave and Dan, and, and they love those two actors. Uh, and I could see them having their own spinoff uh, in the fall. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I want to see a I want to see a show called The Eunuch and the Dwarf. That should be good. Uh, just call Bye. it the Imp and the, the Imp and the Spider. There you go. There's your there's your uh, there's your deal. Uh, Kelly, you get the last word on this one. I can you can never predict with this show. You think Arya's gonna get to her family, never happens. You think Ned's gonna get what he wants, never happens. Anytime you think something's gonna you're 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 like, All right, they're on this path. They have to get there. They're going there. They're like one city away from there. It's gonna happen. Something'll happen. <laughs> so I've learned to not expect the show to, to take any straight lines anywhere. What? Uh-huh. What was that, Gary? Gordon, they never give you what you think you want. So maybe this yeah. one will surprise us and they'll get their next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? It's like, oh, here we are. Hi, Danny. How are you doing? Right? That would, that would be fantastic. That would be fantastic. Joseph, uh, you get the final question for the panel and then we'll move on to three words. Okay. Um, this one, Mr. I've been trying to figure out a question out and I think I got a really good one. Okay, so... Speaking of Tyrion, I'm assuming everyone here has, like, at least been a little curious about his mental state after killing the woman he loved and his father. Do you do you guys personally think that his mental deteriora- deterioration is going to, like, be dangerous in any form to him himself, I mean, to himself, to um, the spider, or to, like, Daenerys, or anyone else he's going to come across? Interesting question. Great question. Uh, we'll start with you, Gary. Um, I think being depressed is being depressed and, yeah, I think that's just dangerous in general. Um, thinking that you've got nothing to live for and that you're worthless or you're unworthy can can have a bad effect on you and the people around you. That being said, um, I don't know how they would perform that on the television show. It's one thing to do that in the books where, and 
I don't think I don't think it's a spoiler to say that the that the that the Tyrion chapters for right after right after uh, he kills his kills his dad are some of the most depressing chapters in the history of literature. But I don't know how you would perform that on through ten episodes. So I think that he'll be a downer. I don't think he'll be as much. I don't think he'll be the fun period that we that we that we don't know and love. But I don't think that he will be a necessarily a danger to himself and others. Well, right. Uh, how about you, Kelly? I picture Tyrion's uh, arc on the in the whole show to be like an inverted bell curve, like upside down arc where he started out great, you loved him, he's going, he had really, you know, his, he had a tough time, so we really related to him as a Lannister still, you know, but then he is going into some dark territory now. It's going to be really interesting, but he's. He's kind of like a weapon that you can aim in whatever direction now that he's just depressed. He's kind of easily manipulated. He's got no, I think I'm repeating myself. He said he's got like no resources out here and he's going to be able to, he's still really smart though. And he has so much information and with the, the spider at his side, he could really be, he could do a lot of damage wherever he's aimed. Um, if he, I think the original question was about his family. And will he be? Is that what it was? Yeah. Well, it's about is he is he a danger to himself? Is he a danger uh, to to anyone else that he meets along the way? Gotcha. Yeah. He could. He could definitely uh, be kind of like a, a time bomb for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he'll. Uh, <laughs> I'm really hoping that his his curve goes back up. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Right on. Bryson, you get the last word on the subject, bro. Um, I actually agree with Kelly. I think uh like I said, he's pointing him anywhere, he's gonna uh, he's gonna be good. And um I actually think that the killing of Shay and his uh father actually uh is gonna help him. You know, not the sense of killing his father, but the sense of I always thought that Tyrion's weakness was women. So I think now he got more of a guard now for the women. So, and minus that weakness, Tyrion is the best asset you can have on your team. So, I actually, I think he's going to be depressed a little bit, but Tyr- Tyrion works best when he's back against the wall. So, okay, well, that's not good for Stannis. He's beaten him once. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to re- you want to rethink that answer before we go on? No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, all right, great stuff, guys. And three words is next. Okay, this is the part of the podcast, and we, Gary, we've got uh, we've got three newbies to the three words thing, unless they've submitted via Twitter before. Uh, we, this is where we tried to describe the episode that we just saw in three words. It's not easy to do, um, and you can just take uh, you know something from one scene that really hits you or whatever. You don't have to do the whole episode in three words, I guess. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be all adjectives. It can just be a three-word phrase or something like that. And, and Gary, since uh, we do have three newbies with us in this respect, why don't I let you start with your three words so you can kind of lead by example? Okay, well, I'm going to go with the alliteration. Prophecy, power, and problem. 
Interesting. Uh, and it, it fits the episode very well. You get got to want to dig in a little further on your explanation, or is it stand for itself? I, well, the prophecy part comes up. The prophecy yeah. speaks itself. But the power is that it's all about people docking for positions. And this, one, and this episode specifically was really about um, people trying to forge their own, trying to trying to forge their own way, trying to make, trying to yeah, put that little stamp of authority on something. Whether it was um, Stannis, whether it was Daenerys, whether it was Cersei, um, it, this episode was really, really a lot about people putting their foot down, and saying, "I'm in charge." So it's kind of one of those things. And as for problems, Game of Thrones, it's all problems. Everywhere you look, nothing, nothing good. You know, you don't, there's no silver lining to that cloud. So, yeah. Excellent. All right, great. And that's a great example. And I will give mine, too, just to buy everybody a little more time while they're thinking <laughs> about their three words. Uh, mine uh, is called, uh, I made my three words, the hot seat. Uh, it, for some kind of camp, campy reasons. Obviously, Mance is on a hot seat. Uh, I feel like Danny's is on a hot seat. Danny is on a hot seat as well, uh, just because, uh, and not just about the dragons, but with everything that's going on in Marine. Um, <clears throat> I, I kind of feel like Varys has dumped Tyrion onto one uh, as well. Uh, well, Tyrion's kind of dumped himself on that because he had to go to Varys to get help. But uh, I felt like the hot seat was pretty good as to the situation uh, that just about everybody's in right now, even those folks in King's Landing. And now I get to pick on the newbies. Uh, let's start with you, Kelly. Uh, you've had the longest to come up with a three-word <laughs> description, so you get to go next. The only thing that came to mind was my favorite line from the episode, which was Mother of Unsullied. Mother of Unsullied. Gave, gave Daenerys the kick in the butt she needed to at least try to go be the mother of dragons. It really highlighted for her that she was putting way too much energy into the part of uh, ruling that was not keeping her the rule. It was, it's got to be her dragons. Right on. Very good. Uh, let's go to you, Bryson. Do you have a three-word description for this episode? I, I actually got two sets. Right on. Go for it. <laughs> the first one is Thanks, Jon Snow. <laughs> that that one, and the second set is uh, um, uh, dang, I had it. I just forgot. It's still on my mind. It's uh, Cersei, new style. Right on. Very good. <laughs> she with that style, she still has the same style ever since she was a kid. It's crazy. that's great that's great man Uh, Joseph have you been able to conjure up three word description of this episode go for it yeah I I, I don't know how but I kind of figured one out pretty quickly Um, burn rise and fall alright because you know the whole mess thing for burn and the I'm trying to think what the rising was what was the rising I'm trying to think. Crap. Oh, um, the rising of 
Stannis kind of throughout the episode and stuff like that, and the fall, kind of fall of Daenerys, you know, because, like, people are less for her now because of the freedom and stuff. There you go. Very good. And uh, at this point, I'll be adding some other three-word submissions via tweet and email, which you don't have to listen to me read through. We just go on to the next section during the fan call and show. Uh, brothel mates of the week. Now, this is what the, the best coupling that I referred to at the beginning of the episode. We call it brothel mates. doesn't have to be two people. It can be a person and a concept. It can be a person and an item. Um, it can be all kinds of different combinations of whatever. Something just that one pairing that stuck out to you in the episode. Uh, and we don't get to uh, we don't get much of a buying time on this one, guys. I'll give you mine first. Um, I am going. I am actually going with two people in this uh, particular episode. I'm going with Jon Snow and Melisandre. <laughs> uh, and, and not, no, no, wait a minute. Not so much because I think they should be a couple. But, I mean, what fan of the show wouldn't want to see a steamy scene with Kit Harrington and Carice Van Houten in it, right? I mean, come on. Wow. It, it's got to please everybody. That's got to be a please to everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah, good point. That's a good point. You, you would probably be a Stannis Melisandre guy. But uh, well, why don't we go with yours, uh, Bryson? Why don't you give us a... Uh, a Brothel mates of the week or our best coupling of the week, sir. I'm gonna go with Mass Raider and that arrow. Oh God, <laughs> he needed that one. <laughs> <laughs> that arrow completed him for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Joseph, how about you, brother? Um, I'll have to go with Tyrion and the one. <laughs> It was a love-hate relationship. <laughs> there you go. Um, and uh, how about you, Gary? Oh, well, uh, I was going to tell Okay. If we're going to do Melisandre, then instead of picking pick on Jon Snow, how about Melisandre and Samuel? Because that would be fun. Oh, no. <laughs> I know it's Samwell. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of having some horrific pictures here, Gary. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, and, um, I'm sorry, Melisandre and Samwell. That would be fun. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm thinking more like horror flick myself because <laughs> he's going to burn Samwell before he can even figure out how to get his britches undone. But nonetheless, that's good. Good. That would be that would be a couple, but um, honestly, there were, there were two. There was it was Matt, it was Matt and Josh Snow because those, convers, those that conversation was just rip your heart out. Holy smokes, that was that was a beautiful thing. And there was obviously Darius and Darius and Tyrion. Those that's. That's going to be the couple for that might be the couple for this season right there. Right on. Yeah, I agree there. And Kelly, you get the last brothel mates among our callers. Oh, I had to go with Sansa and Littlefinger. They're the most dysfunctional power couple. Oh, their psychological screw ups are going to be amazing to see. <laughs> oh, no. oh th- thank you so much, Kelly, for creeping me out completely. You're welcome. 
Oh, I had to. Yeah. We're trying to forget. Oh, and uh, let's see. Let's let's move on to uh, say goodbye. Or actually, here's some more brothel bits of the week. Hmm. <clears throat> All right, guys. Um, we'll move on. We actually, at this point, everything else is stuff that I just read uh, on a separate recording. So we're ready to uh, ready ready to say goodbye. Um, before before I actually go into the spiel, um, let me ask you: um, Does everybody have a like a Twitter presence or anything like that? And do they care? to announce it on the air, or if you don't, just let me know now, and I'll just thank you. No, uh, no I, I don't. No. I, Did you get all that? But all, all at once, I couldn't tell what anybody was saying. <laughs> Kelly, do you, do you have, Kelly, do you have a Twitter presence, and do you want it announced on the podcast? I don't. No, I don't have anything. Okay. I comment right. on your Facebook. Oh, right on. All right. <laughs> and uh, uh, Bryson? Uh, no, I don't. You don't have a Twitter presence or anything like that. All right, uh, Gary, are you are you letting yours out these days, or do you just? Uh... Um, I haven't really bought it, but sure, it's already out there, so I don't mind. I don't mind saying it again. Right on. And uh, Joseph, do you have a preference one way or the other? Or uh, like, what would you what would you need for the, like the Twitter? Would you like link it or something? Is that all? No, I, didn't, I don't even link it. I just ask you to tell people on the pot. You know, you just announce what your Twitter handle is if you want people to follow you. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm Joseph Coney 2K15. If you guys want. All right. Well, uh, that was actually just prelim. All of this is getting cut out. So now we'll go to the actual. <laughs> I just wanted to see if anybody had uh, if anybody had objections or or had one, but. Um, you can just, uh, I'll just let you say a final piece, and if you want to plug yourself, that's fine. Here we go. Three, two, one. All right. I want to thank so much to all of these great callers who uh, called in and gave great thoughts about this week's episode of Game of Thrones. It's been a pleasure for me to be back in touch with other fans of the show like me, and I want to encourage everybody else who's out there listening right now, feel free to call in every Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. You dial 724-444-7444 and try to say that 10 times real fast. Uh, and then you'll be asked for a call ID, 118884 and the pound sign. And then simply, if, you don't, if you're not a TalkShoe member, simply dial 1 and the pound sign, and you'll be added on as a guest. And uh, let's thank our callers individually since they're still here with us. Kelly, you were our first caller for Season 5. Thank you so much for calling in. Um, it's great to hear from you. If you have any final thoughts about this episode or if you have any Internet presence and want to plug it uh, in any way, shape, or form, feel free. You don't have to. But uh, final thoughts from you now. No, this was wonderful. Uh, I was really nervous to call in, and if anybody is thinking about doing it, I highly recommend it. Matt was awesome, and this was very fun. Thank you so much for joining us, Kelly. Bryson, yeah. let's go to you and your uh, final thoughts on, on the episode proper or whatever you want to share with the world. Oh, yeah, the episode was great, and podcast Winterfell, to anyone who wants to try this, this is amazing. Like, I just started going through your all your feed. I just got on maybe about two weeks ago, 
from a friend, and, man, I'm loving it, man. This this is just amazing. I love it. Thank you so much for calling in, Bryson, and you and Kelly. I hope we hear from you guys again in the future. Uh, somebody who I probably will hear in from the future and who I know won't be blowing that smoke up my butt like these two just did is Gary. Uh, Gary, you have an Internet presence. and uh, Any final thoughts about the epi- episode, sir? Um, first of all, you can find me uh, at um, GC Swift 2 at everything, um, whether that's Facebook or Twitter, that's Golf, Charlie Sierra, Whiskey, Idiot, Foxtrot, Tango, and the number two, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Um, Google Plus. Um, as far as podcasting, it's a, it's a horrible experience. Don't do it. <laughs> don't, I, don't, why, I don't know why people keep coming back. <laughs> he wants you all to himself. Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.